Thanks, Tamil. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be here. And yes, as Tamil said, since I come from WMB, I figured the most appropriate way to start was by saying thank you <laughs> for sending Jeff and Carrie and their family to us. And they really have been a blessing and a gift to our church already. And so we are, are thankful to have them on our team. Uh, but I know they're missed here, and I know they miss you guys, and uh, I've heard uh, so much from them, and and uh, and just want you to know that we realize, yeah, that that uh, was a loss to you guys, and, and so we've been praying for you, and it's it's special for me to be here because I feel like I've I've heard so much about this church community, um, especially over the last few months, um, but even over the last few years, as Tamil said, I've served on our Ontario board with her and Jeff, and we're always praying for our churches and sharing stories of ways God's at work. And, and so it's really special for me to have an opportunity to, uh, to visit one of those churches and, and to see you face to face and be with you this morning. Uh, so yeah, I just want to thank you for the, the opportunity to be here too. So, and before we dive into the word as well, like since Jeff is my boss, if, if you have any good stories about him too, I'd love to, to hear them before you go this morning as well. <laughs> I don't have to rush off. <laughs> uh, well, this morning we're going to look at the book of Philippians and a word of encouragement from the Apostle Paul. Um, this is a book that we went through at WMB in the winter and um, looking at Paul's words of hope and, and joy to encourage our church in a difficult season as, as we were in the midst of transition and waiting on new leadership at that time and all of the other many challenges that we're continuing to face in our world these days. And, uh, and this is such an encouraging and hopeful book. And, you know, we're just going to look at one small piece of it this morning, but I encourage you to take time to, to read through it and pay attention to all of the times that Paul talks about joy and rejoicing and his love for the Philippians, his encouragement. And then you think about the fact that this is written by someone who's currently in prison. And in one of the most difficult situations of of his day and time. And and he's in prison because of his faith in Jesus. And yet here he is rejoicing and praising him. And he's encouraging a a young church to endure in the the challenges they're facing as well. And, you know, as a prisoner, he shouldn't have had any voice or influence um, in society at all. And yet here he is continuing to teach and lead people to Christ and encourage the local churches. And his words, you know, a couple thousand years later, encouraging us again today. And, uh, and so I hope that this will be a, a message of encouragement uh, for you guys today. You know, we've just celebrated Easter, Christ is risen, everything has changed, and, uh, and we get a glimpse of how that impacted uh, one disciple in the life of Paul many years ago, and that invitation for what it means that Jesus has changed everything about our life. So, um, well, we'll get to the scripture in a second. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7. So if you, if you have a Bible or you have a Bible app you use, you can pull it out. Uh, but before we get into the text, uh, we need to start by thinking about what it means for something to have value. Uh, the dictionary defines value as the regard that something is held to deserve, the importance or worth or usefulness of something. 
And, and that might seem straightforward, but can actually get pretty complex. Because when we're talking about importance or value, there's often personal and subjective pieces to that. And so, for example, this is one of my favorite mugs. I love this mug uh, because it was a gift from my husband, Adam, while we were on a mission trip together with our partners in Portugal. Uh, we partnered with our sister churches in Lisbon and got this at the tail end of our trip. And, and so I love to use it because it reminds me of our partners and to pray for them while I enjoy my coffee. Um, and for me, it holds just the right amount of coffee. I, I'm a bit of a coffee snob, so I, I love my espresso. And so this holds a perfect long espresso. And, and the really funny part is I wasn't a coffee drinker for most of my life and then on this mission trip we spent a lot of time in cafes with uh, congregates and, and ministry leaders and, and I, I decided to try espresso and, and now I'm hooked. Uh, but this is my perfect coffee mug and it's special for me and uh, you know the, the actual retail value I don't know maybe five or six dollars uh, and some of you might look at this and say okay well but that's useless like it's so tiny it won't even hold my coffee you know how can you put value on that and and yet for me it would be hard for me to put a price tag on on what I might sell this for myself and so that's the kind of thing that we're seeing Paul talk about, similar language of gains and losses and comparing value and worth. Uh, but Paul isn't talking about a mug or the fancy drinks that go in it. Uh, but he's looking at his life and how when Jesus entered his story, Paul found a completely new way of looking at everything and a new standard for valuing what was really of worth for him. So let's look at his words. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. You know, it's, it's a challenging but also a really beautiful passage because even if you don't know anything about Paul's life, there's words that should jump off the page in this passage. Someone whose life has been entirely changed by Jesus. You know, can you hear it or take a quick look over at yourself? Sweeping statements, whatever were gains, everything a loss, surpassing worth, lost all things. And then there's this statement, I consider them garbage. We're going to land there for a moment. Take another look at verse 8. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And you might pause a bit on that word garbage and, and wonder about it, what, what Paul's really saying there. And, uh, and so I want to look at the original Greek because the English translation is actually pretty ineffective. You might even say that it's garbage. I can tell you guys are used to Jeff's humor. 
But Paul is actually using a much stronger word in Greek. It's not one you would use every day, and this is the only place that it's used in the New Testament. And the Greek word is skubalon. So say that with me, skubalon. Skubalon. We're going we're gonna to come back to this word a lot, so we're going to get it in our mind. Skubalon has two definitions, and they're both pretty bad. The first is excrement, and the second is scraps, the stuff thrown to dogs. So that's right. We're talking about dirty diapers and litter boxes and emojis and things you probably don't expect to hear about on a Sunday morning. But Paul is really laying it on thick. And he's not mincing words or beating around the bush. He's saying that compared with knowing Jesus, everything else is worthless. And so when you, you hear this passionate, strong word from Paul, I hope it stirs you up or even provokes you. I think that's what he was going for with the Philippians. And I hope as we unpack this a little more that it, it leads you to say, yeah, like I want that relationship because that's what Paul's inviting us to here. He's inviting us to know Jesus, that Jesus wants us to know him and to know him in this way that surpasses everything else in life. And why has Paul given us this word? You know, why, what inspired, what, 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 how did God inspire Paul to write these words to his friends? What is the encouragement here? But I think our broken nature and the world we live in can lead us to follow after all kinds of after things. That, and they may not be wrong in and of itself, but compared to standing before God in that final day, they all fall short. They're all scuba line. They're worthless. The only thing that has eternal lasting value is knowing Jesus. And that truth should shape every part of our lives today. What we depend on, what we put our confidence in on a day-to-day basis for our needs and hopes and desires, the values that shape us and drive us and influence our choices and actions and relationships. I think God has given us this message because he knows that navigating all of the pressures and expectations of this world is going to require us to make tough decisions about what is truly valuable. And so I want to press into this question today. What does it mean to truly know Jesus? What is Paul teaching us in this passage about knowing Jesus in this way? And before we get to the answer, there's something that I want to clarify because it's really important. Because when we talk about knowing God, when Paul writes these words, he's not talking about having information or thoughts swimming around our head or, or knowledge in that sense. And we can get really confused in our modern rational world compared to what it meant to someone like Paul or the Philippians. We've learned to separate our heart and mind, but to the ancient Israelites, these two were inextricably connected, especially when it came to relationships and spiritual things. So when Paul talks about knowing Jesus, when we hear this invitation to truly know Jesus, we're not talking about head knowledge, but a whole self way of knowing Jesus in a deep and intimate and fully committed relationship, a relationship of trust and faith that shapes every part of our lives. So let's unpack the passage a little more. The first thing we see is that knowing Jesus starts with faith. By faith, we can enter a right relationship with him, but by faith, we continue to grow in knowing Jesus more and more. So if you take another look at our passage in verse nine, 
we see that immediately after Paul uses this strong word, this garbage or scuba line of comparison and value, he talks about being found in Christ. And he says that this comes not from having a righteousness of his own, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And so there's an invitation to a beautiful exchange here to let go of the things that we thought were valuable or that we depended on or that we put our worth and identity in but are actually just garbage. What are they? Scubalon. That's right. But as we let go of these, then we open ourselves to receive that which is awesome and wonderful and all-surpassing. To grow in faith, to grow closer to Jesus. This is the basics of our faith, right? By gr- we are saved by grace through faith. The Father adopts us who respond in faith. He forgives us. He gives us new life, his spirit in us, so that we can continue to grow in living by faith more and more. And Paul has come to know this deeply and personally. This was clearly so important to Paul because this theme covers so many of his letters again and again. But this was Paul's life, his experience. His whole upbringing until he met Jesus had been completely the opposite. And if you don't know Paul's story, there's a really good summary just before this passage. If you look up to verses 5 and 6, he talks about putting confidence in the flesh. And he says, how much he has. I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul is looking at his life and the things he placed value on, and he's saying that he had every advantageous position. In one set of weights and measures, he could be considered among the best of the best. And his decisions and actions were all shaped by those values. But then he has a dramatic encounter with Jesus. The story is in the book of Acts chapter 9. Jesus appears to Paul on the road to Damascus and blinds him. Paul, who was then known as Saul, was blinded at the sight of the road, and at which point all of his status and advantages were useless. He was completely helpless. And he had to be helped into the city and wait until God sent someone to pray for him. And then there's this moment where Ananias prays over Paul. And then the Bible says that immediately something like scales fell off his eyes and he could see again. And that's that radical transformation of Paul's life as he encounters Jesus and he surrenders his life to him and his values are completely flipped upside down. And that begins the life of the missionary and apostle that we see throughout so much of the New Testament. And that's why Paul reflects on his past. And then he says in verse 7, But wherever, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. All these things about who he was are completely worthless in light of the new vision that Paul has received from Jesus. And so he reminds his followers, he reminds the early churches again and again, and he reminds us of that today. Now, as we think about Paul's words, I realize that on one level, most of us have probably not been tempted to follow the Jewish laws. 
but I know there's been a lot of things I have been tempted about in my own life, things to give me a better life or make me a better person or to find my security or identity, titles or achievements that I'll use to cover up my own doubts and insecurities. But all of this just gets in the way of knowing Jesus. It's like when Jesus shared the parable of building a house on rock or sand. And he warned that when the storm came, the house on the rock would stand, but the house built on sand would be washed away. And Paul is bringing that same message here. And he's speaking from his own life and experience and saying that only Christ can keep you standing. Build on him alone because everything else is worthless. It's scuba line. It's all a loss because righteousness, the fullness of identity of who we are, of the fullness of life comes slowly, solely through God by faith. And any of our efforts that we try to add in or bring into that equation are just really rejections or shortchanging the gospel. It's like saying, Jesus, what you did wasn't enough. I need something more. And that's not a narrow category of things that Paul is talking about. It's everything. And so... I've been thinking about what this looks like for me. And I brought this garbage can from WMB. And uh, I've been reflecting on some of the things that I might need to let go and, and count as scuba on. And, uh, and so I have my degree from Bethel Seminary. And uh, I could put a big price tag on this. <laughs> it took a lot of money and time and effort. Uh, and you know what? It really does help me do my job as a pastor. But in the end, it's not the thing that defines me. I stand here by the grace of God. I minister first and foremost through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and through walking with Jesus and not first and foremost through my knowledge. And so in one sense, what is it? School on. That's right. You know, I, I brought my passport it represents a lot of freedoms and opportunities that we have as Canadians and that I'm so thankful for. You know, as part of my role in Global Mission, I've had the incredible privilege of traveling and visiting churches all over the world. And it's something I'm deeply thankful for. But at the same time, Canada's far from perfect, right? We've got our own challenges and brokenness. And true freedom doesn't come through my identity as a Canadian, through my freedom to travel. But true freedom is found in Christ alone. And my identity needs to be first and foremost in Jesus and as a part of his church family. So it's scuba line. I brought, this is a picture from our house and it's just to represent our, our home and our family. And, you know, Adam and I, we, we really love our home and all of our barbecues in the backyard and, and all of that. But, you know, we, we hold them loosely, right? Because if Jesus asks us to move, to go, to give them up, we got to let them go. Um, I brought a weight. You know, I've, I've always had a high value for physical fitness and, and being in shape. And, and then I got injured and, and I turned 40 and my body doesn't work quite the same. <laughs> and, you know, there, there is a value and a place for caring for our bodies, right? And it's even a way we honor God. But I think of Paul's words to train first, pursuing the prize of Christ. And, and it can be very easy for these values to take precedence over how I'm building into my relationship with Jesus. Scuba one, yes, thank you. So then I have a, a little mini soccer ball in a book, and, and uh, this is where it got real for me uh, a few years ago. 
Um, I've always been an athlete. Soccer is one of my favorite sports. And uh, several years ago, I, I had a really bad concussion. And it sidelined me pretty hard for a whole year. And I actually continued to deal with some minor uh, long-term side effects from it. And that was a tough journey for me. At the time, I was still playing competitive women's soccer and took a lot of pride to be in my 30s and playing at that level. And, you know, I've, I've always been an intellect, someone that can read and absorb knowledge. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm trying to read emails on my computer and I, I can't make sense of, of what I'm reading. And uh, I can't even go for a walk. And, uh, and that was a tough season. And I wrestled with, with God through that a lot and having to give up things that were uh, important to me, and not only that I loved to do, but that I started to realize had become to identify part of me. And so it was a tough year of surrender and, and, and pulling back and forth and saying, okay, God, I'll let that go. Okay, are, are we done? Could I have it back now? And, and, and learning to surrender and let go and let go. And it was tough, but you know what happened? In that time, God used that to shift my identity more and more in him, to correct some ways that, that I was offline or, or doubting or, or putting value or identity in things more than him. And as I let go of that, I learned to trust in the spirit more and allow him to work through me more. And, and it was an incredibly healing season. And I continue on that journey. But I, I couldn't have got to where I am with Jesus today if I hadn't let go of these things. And then for good measure, I may as well get rid of this because let's face it, I probably depend on coffee too much at times. And I think you get the idea. But these things that we have that we work towards, again, they're not bad things in and of themselves. But if we set our hopes on them too much, if we place our identity on them, if we allow them to take the place of Jesus, we're going to find ourselves off track and out of step. And we're going to miss out on something too. And so if there's one thing you walk away with today, let it be the surpassing worth of Jesus and the invitation to let go of everything else so you can walk more fully with him, so you can know him more truly. But as we close, I want to look at a couple more things from this passage because it can leave the question of, okay, so what do we do? Do we just get rid of everything and, and huddle together and wait? But I, I don't think that's the calling that Jesus has for us. And I don't think that's Paul's words for the Philippians or for us today. Paul is going someone here. And as he says to let it all go, to see the surpassing worth of Christ, to walk by faith and not by stuff, he press into the invitation that stands for us in there. And so there's two things we see as we look at verse 10. And in the first part, again, we see that words, I want to know Christ. There is that desire, that hunger from Paul. And that first part, he says, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. So that's the first thing. By faith, we can live into the power of Jesus' resurrection today. He's already making everything new. We live after Easter, right? We live in light of his resurrection his Holy Spirit that he has sent to empower us, to bring us together as his people, as his body, and equip us to live in truth and mission through the work of the Spirit in all of us together today. The Holy Spirit is God's resurrection power, active in us. And Paul is saying that we can know Christ 
and the power of his resurrection, the work of his spirit in this way, in our present lives, here and now today. We can live as new creation. We can go about living transformed lives that are faithful and fruitful right now on this side of heaven. And it comes through surrendering these worldly things to trusting more and more in Jesus, putting our confidence in him, growing in faith, making room for Christ in our lives, and then experiencing that resurrection power. And we see this invitation all throughout the letter to the Philippians. Paul says this in different ways again and again. Uh, Words like, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Or continue to work at your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. All this active right now language and invitation for us all throughout the letter. The Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection, gives us a new way of seeing our world. Everything we have and everything that we do. Of stepping into the relationship of seeing our church and our community and our city, shifting our trust and our hope from our efforts or things to the lordship of Christ. Ephesians 5 says it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. And Paul wants us to know this and taste of this and experience this. But that leads us to the second half of verse 10, which does get a little more challenging. So Paul has said, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection. But then he adds, and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And I know this is far less appealing, and we want to skip ahead to the rest of the resurrection stuff in verse 11. But this is part of the gospel, and this is part of truly knowing Jesus. That by faith, we can die to self and follow the way of the cross. We have this wonderful promise of hope in Jesus, not just for eternity, but for today. But that doesn't mean that the here and now is going to be easy, right? If you read through any part of the New Testament, you quickly see this reality of suffering in the early church. And and I think we've all experienced that in different ways and in our own life. And maybe you're experiencing it today. And there's a ton of challenges us facing us in our society today as well that we're wrestling to find our way through as God's people. But the way of discipleship is the way of the cross. In order for Jesus to conquer new sin and raise new life, he first had to go to the cross. And Paul learned that in his life and the early church experience for it. And that's true for us today. Walking by faith is a path of submission. Truly knowing Jesus, that whole self, all in, deep, intimate relationship that surpasses everything else means dying to ourselves, laying down our lives in faith and trust as we walk in new life. Submitting our lives in Christ, believing in him by faith, it's not a one-time action but a posture to walk with Jesus daily. And what does participation in his sufferings look like? For Paul, it looked like ridicule, hunger, a a ton of painful struggles, a thorn in his side, and even imprisonment. And for us, it could be any of the things that we go through because of our fallen selves 
and our fallen world. And that might cause you to wonder, okay, but is it worth it? And I think it's good to ask that question. But as we look back at the, today's passage, Paul was fully aware of, and he was including his own suffering. When he looked back on his past achievements and called everything worthless compared to knowing Christ, Paul could have given up. He could have gone back to the status and prestige and security and the comforts of being a Pharisee. But here he is years later in prison and writing that all he could have had it was worthless compared to this incredible experience he had gained in knowing Christ, in walking with Jesus, that single relationship and everything they had experienced together, the miracles and the suffering, that far surpassed anything else and everything that Paul gave up. And so that leaves us with a choice. A choice to resist and fight against to walk away from Christ, to find our comfort in the things the world has to offer. But we know through Paul's words that they're nothing more than what on in the end. Or we can choose to pursue Jesus, to walk by faith, to trust in him in the most difficult situations or suffering we find ourselves in and experience his resurrection life. So are we willing to submit all that we have to Jesus? To shift and be rightly focused on his surpassing worth. He might be asking us to give up possessions or it could be our attitudes or our ambitions. But that invitation, whatever it is, to lay it out at the foot of the cross and receive Christ in return. This is something so precious and we can get distracted and forget just how amazing this is. We've been invited to truly know Jesus, to walk as friends with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. It's incredible. I want to look at the message version of this passage because I love how it reflects it. In that version, we read Paul's words. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. School on. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the kind of robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so that I can know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do that. I love that last word. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. What an awesome invitation to truly know Jesus, to grow in this relationship by faith, to live in the power of his resurrection, 
even plumbing to the depths of a fullness of a life with Jesus. Dying to self, following the way of the cross, offering all that we have in trust and submission and experiencing his resurrection. In a moment, we're going to go to a, a time of reflection, uh, but I want to close today with a story that's found in all four Gospels. It's a story of a woman who anoints Jesus with expensive perfume. And you'll see on the screen uh, the passage from Mark chapter 14. But it's a beautiful story. All these people are gathered, they're sharing a meal with Jesus. And a woman comes forward with incredibly expensive, fancy jar of perfume and breaks the jar and pours it over Jesus in an act of devotion and worship. And the woman is ridiculed for being wasteful. But Jesus truly understands and he praises her actions. And I think this woman has made a value decision, just like Paul. I have no doubt that she was fully aware of the cost of the perfume. And yet, staring into the face of Jesus, she's recognized his surpassing worth. She's willing to risk suffering and ridicule. In that moment, she's living so in step in the person and mission of Jesus that this act of worship would forever become a part of the story of his life. And it's such a beautiful image of surrendering to Jesus, walking by faith and trusting the Holy Spirit to lead and guide to give us wisdom and discernment, to do that in us together as a faith community, to navigate all the complex issues and to do so in a way that honors Jesus and glorifies him. I've seen that in my own church in so many ways, walking alongside courageous missionaries, young adults who give up so much to follow Jesus, to get, dedicate their lives to strangers, to come alongside people who are marginalized. We have people in our congregation who provide housing to refugees who come to our city, sharing their home and even taking on all of the challenges and frustrations of having strangers live in the home for the sake of sharing Christ with them. Four years ago, I walked with my husband, Adam, as he surrendered a prestigious career to become a pastor at our church with me. And for him and for me, the, the potential for wealth that stood in front of him was of no value compared to following God's call in his life and being a part of his mission. And so then I wonder about you and, and what this has looked like for those of you here at, at Evergreen. And, and I don't know your stories in the same way, but I believe they're there. And God has even more for all of you together and for each and every one of you. To let go of what is worthless, what is scubalon, and living in relationship with the surpassingly worthy Jesus. Paul's words about truly knowing Jesus remind me of a hymn that goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray.
Dear Father, I thank you for these words, this reminder and invitation to know you, to walk with you, to experience a fullness of life in relationship with you that surpasses anything this world has to offer. And we confess there's a lot of things that distract us, that pull us away, that we wrestle with. And yet, we want to follow the example, the life of Jesus, the example of Paul, and say, yes, we want to be all in. We want to experience the power of your resurrection. We want to walk with you in, in moments of joy and suffering and trust in your faithfulness. And so as we continue to worship you this morning, would you lead and guide us as a church community and as, as each individual, each disciple, responding to the work of your spirit in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.